Hey, hi, uh, I am Richard Donner, but you can call me Dick, and you're listening to Superman Movie Minute? Is that right? Did I do it right? Welcome to another exciting episode of Superman 2 Movie Minute, the show that scrutinizes, analyzes, and you'll believe a man can flies his 1980s Superman 2 five minutes at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, I'm one of your hosts, Rob Kelly, and joining me on this journey through time and space is... Chris Franklin. Hey, Chris. Uh, I think you would agree with me. Uh, now, I mean, all the minutes that we've covered in this movie are exciting. Richard Lester keep thing, keeps things moving through this movie. Uh, but I would think I think you would agree with me that the next five minutes we're going to talk about minutes seventy five through eighty are particularly exciting because we have uh, super sex, uh, <laughs> we have a, a cameo appearance by one of the greatest actors uh, ever to be on the screen, and we have an, a cameo by our good friend Dick Donner. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> there's so much packed in to this five minutes. It's very very exciting. Yes, and, and, and it's the moment that made a lot of kids of our generation feel very strange in the movie theater. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we know certainly Derek William Crabb was inspired when he saw it for the first time. Said, oh, man. But we'll, we'll get to all that in a moment. So, yeah, the, uh, the, the minutes are 75 through 80. Uh, it opens with the villains flying over various parts of America, and it's going to end with uh, Clark Kent itching for a fight. So right at the very beginning, I want to talk about you mentioned the, 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 the music for this film because it's not John Williams. I mean, obviously, they're borrowing some of John Williams' themes, but the mm-hmm. score is not by, by Williams. But I love the, the, the villain sting when they come mm-hmm. in. Like, like, I just, like, to me, like, I hear it, and immediately, if I ever hear that music anywhere else, I just think the Phantom Zone villains. It's very distinctive. Yeah, the Ken Thorne really took some of the, the DNA from the Williams Krypton theme and really went and, and took it in a dark direction. It's perfect. Yeah. It's perfect. That, duh, yeah, like you said, just that you hear that. And then it's like that. I don't know. That's some kind of percussive thing. I'm not a, I'm not a musician, but I, I do know that it's some kind of uh, percussion type thing we're hearing. And it's, it's really, it's just, it's, it's great. It's almost like, you know, I mean, it, it's right up there with, uh, you know, the, you know, the, the, the creature from the black lagoon. Da, 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 yeah. <laughs> You know, yeah, not quite right, as over, right, right. Uh, over the top as that, but you know, it's it's that same kind of uh, same kind of sting that just like instantly villain. Here they are. So yeah, it's it's great. And I love the the shot of them. We ended that last that way last time with them flying over the the uh, plateaus and and uh, you know they're they're going from Idaho to well we'll get to where they're going, but mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> but it's it looks and it really looks those shots really look nice. Yeah, it's a great little sting. Just just jumps in. It kind of reminds me. I'm not going to go that far in comparing it, but it's like when Bernard Herrmann uh, saw the 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 scene, saw Psycho. He was like, "This is all going to be strings. This this whole mm. score is just strings." And of course, you know, he when he scored the the famous shower scene, it's all just dun, 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 and it's. I'm not going to go that the villain theme is that good, but it's very memorable. And it's like just this quick little stab sound. And yeah. you feel threatened, and you're like, "Oh, this is bad." Because, of course, as we've seen, 
they just killed a bunch of people. Uh, mm-hmm. And they're happy about it. And now, of course, not satisfied with killing a bunch of people in Iowa. They're now moving on to greener pastures, uh, which is going to be Washington, D.C. But before we get to Washington, D.C., we have a quick trip <laughs> back up to the Forges of Solitude. And we see <laughs> Clark and Lois in the silver satin sheets. And as we, as I alluded to earlier, this was very influential on a young Derek William Crabb who immediately wanted to get – uh, these sorts of sheets, I don't. I guess they don't exist anywhere. Uh, you know, like they're just amazing. I mean, they certainly have a kind of vaguely alien look. Uh, this bed is very, very plushy. Like they are yeah. sunk way low in it. I don't. I, I don't know. I don't know how comfortable it seems to you, but it doesn't feel that comfortable to me. Uh, and the one other comment I will have on this moment, because it's just the two of them in bed. There's no dialogue. Is um, in the documentary. That came with the Superman movie where they interview Margot Kid- Margo Kidder. Even she said, we went a little too far. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and I'm honestly surprised that that this moment didn't like create like a huge outcry. You know, yeah, I mean, because yeah. especially back then, because, you know, the comics had not taken the, the characters into the adult realm but you know the mature readers realm that they are that they that they would be in just a you know five or six years so i mean the fact i mean now there was a superman story in the 70s oddly enough i can't i don't somebody's screaming at the uh bob fisher screaming and telling me what issue it is right now but (laughs) where i think superman had lost his powers for a bit and it's intimated that clark and lois spent the night together Oh, so, really? Wow. I yeah, never read that. it's it's really it's it's not, you know, beat you over the head. It's it's kind of on the slide, but you can kind of read between the lines and say, yep, because it's something like Clark gets up to shut the door or something. And then it, the story ends and it's just like Lois walks in, they shut the door and it's just kind of like, hmm. So I don't know. But I mean, other than that, I mean, this was and there are two Superman and Lois being married about right. this point. This was a huge deal, and it's – I mean really surprised. I mean just – I know they're in the movies. They're minors, but just imagine if the next Spider-Man movie started with, you know, Tom Holland and Zendaya in bed. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean there would be a lot of what? what? You know, it's like – so, I mean this is, this is Superman and Lois Lane, you know. Thank God we didn't have to watch any of the actual proceedings because I don't even know how mechanically – that worked in that bed. I mean, how how does that even work? I mean, it's like in a hammock, basically. You know, it's like uh, right, and we know he can't fly anymore, so it's not no. like they can do anything using his powers. Yeah, I don't, I don't right. know. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. It's like it's it'd be like you know, it'd be like trying to. Uh, okay, I'm I'm gonna be delicate as I can here. It'd be like <laughs> trying to do it on a half inflated mylar balloon. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps a giant Superman float from the Macy's Day Parade. There you go. (laughs) Yeah, I saw this movie in the theater when I was nine years old, and I I wish I could remember, what was I thinking during that part? Like, did I, was I just like, oh, good, popcorn, you know what I mean? I might have just been like, oh, icky girls, I I have no idea, but yeah, you know, I was nine years old when I watched it, so obviously it didn't scar me too terribly much, but of course... It's a very brief scene. Uh, You know, you can kind of forget that it's even really there if you want to, because it goes by so fast. There's no dialogue, and then we cut right to more. uh, Well, you know, action of a different sort. Uh, We have action of the (laughs) Phantom Zone villains coming in uh, to the White House, and there's a great shot. It's very comic booky, 
where the camera is down on the floor and we are pointed up at a guard. It's a very Gil Kane because we yeah. see the guy's nose. And that's <laughs> Nan comes in smashing through the skylight and then there's a second shot of Zod doing the same thing. I, it's, and with the music, it's great. I mean it's just it's, – it's a comic book come to life of these, of these three finally – not finally because, of course, they just did all the stuff in Iowa. But, I mean, really getting to kick ass and, 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 and getting to take on some armed – I mean you have to figure – uh, these are the elite of the elite because they are the, they are guarding the president. And as we see, uh, the, they are no match for the villains. Ursa grabs the one cop and literally just shoves him through the skylight. And we never mm-hmm. see him again, which is a great it's, – it's a fun effect. It's like that guy just probably died. You know, he might just yeah. landed oh, yeah. somewhere on the roof of the – there's a dead guy on the roof of the White House now. So it's a, it's a really great sequence. Yeah, I mean this this sequence is, is, is just really well done. And I, I think – Going by the way Zod appears, most of this look like looks like it was shot by uh, by Donner, because uh, you know Zod's got the he's got that like strange kind of like red thing going on around his eyes that that makes him look kind of more I don't know psychotic or something in the shots that Donner did, and then his hair's not curling up in the back uh, like it does in the Lester shots. Now there are a few shots like when Zod pulls the guy through the window. Part of that. I think was reshot by Lester because he's got the hair curling up. I'm getting real nitpicky here, people. But <laughs> but uh, now that's what we're here now, for. That's what we're here for. Now, famously in the Donner cut, Zod uh, takes that M16 and starts shooting at him with it. Oh, that's so, right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I kind of like. It's like you know, it's like how does this mechanism work? It's some kind of weapon, you know. It's like thing, you know, and it just you know, and he starts mowing. I mean, it's like yeah, you know, and it, it fits in. With the character, but I mean, again, we're going back to, you know, Ursa is just, she, you know, Nan and Zod are, you know, they're throwing guys around, but Ursa's more hands-on with the guys. I mean, yep. she's picking yep. them up, she's tossing them around, she kicks the one guy in the head, she's got a big old smile when the guy falls on the floor in front of her. Like, ooh, I get to kick this guy right in the head, you know. <laughs> I mean, she's loving it. I mean, they tear this place, I mean, they tear the White House up. And I, I, I kind of feel like I hate to say that again. This kind of feels like, kind of like when we said when the army came into East Houston, it it's kind of a ragtag. It's not the it's it, it, the budget's kind of showing. I feel like a little bit because it should like shouldn't there be even more people guarding the White House right now? You know, I don't I don't know. It's not so bad here because it's in a closed in space. But I do kind of feel like, well, wouldn't this be like? the Navy SEALs or the Green Berets or whoever's like right. G.I. Joe, who's ever like, <laughs> whoever is the elite of the elite, like you said, these seem like, you know, no offense, but they seem like they're just your average you know, army crew just by the visuals and, you know, got Secret Service and regular security. But, I mean, it's a good mix, but I don't know. I, I guess nowadays we're so used to so many movies having these, you know, uh, you know these, these cream of the crop, almost superhuman uh, you know, Captain America level uh, elite fighting force type uh, commandos in it that we're expecting, you know, you're almost expecting, uh, you know, an Arnold Schwarzenegger type to be there, you know, protecting the president. But, but no, but it's still great. I mean, they just, I mean, it, it wouldn't matter if 
Arnold was there or not, he'd still get tossed around. You know, right. <laughs> to, to, to quote uh, Will Smith from Men in Black, it's the best of the best of the best, sir. You know, that kind of thing. Right. Uh, yeah, th- this group is a little on the hapless side. There doesn't seem to be a lot of strategy. Like, it's just, just shoot the guys. And, of course, yeah. none of this works. It is interesting. You, I'm glad you pointed out. I hadn't really thought about it till, till I'm sort of looking at it here. Is that Ursa is very hands-on. Like, she likes grabbing guys and throwing them around. Meanwhile, Nan is more about grabbing, like, destroying the buildings or grabbing mm-hmm. the parts. He grabs the gun out of their hands. He smashes one of the pillars, which causes the roof to collapse in. Uh, I like the moment where he breaks the rifle in half and you actually see the flash. Yeah. Uh, we talked about that in the previous segment where he grabs the missile and he breaks it and it just kind of breaks like it's a tube. Uh, and you pointed out, of course, that the warhead is going to be the part that has the explosive in it, which makes a lot of sense. But I just like you get that realism of the flash. Of course, you break a gun in half. Guns are not meant to be broken in half like that. Uh, yeah. and so I like that. And I like that not that uh, Jack O'Halloran does not even flinch. Um, mm-hmm. Now, I assume that this that light, that flash was put in in post-production, but it lo- if it was, it looks really good. It looks real, and he doesn't react to it, which, of course, Nan wouldn't. I like that a lot. He doesn't have that human – like because every human would be like, Ugh. you just have that little bit of a reaction, but he doesn't even look at it at all, which I like a lot. Yeah, I was just watching a video. Uh, it was just one of those you know clickbait things on YouTube, but it was about how – uh, whenever you uh, an actor fires a gun in a movie, they blink because right. we, you know. But uh, when uh, Robert Patrick played the T one thousand in Terminator two, he trained himself to not blink when he fired his gun. Wow! So that added to the inhuman quality of the that that Terminator. So I, you know, that's that's kind of probably that's probably kind of what Jack O'Halloran did. He probably like, okay, I wouldn't blink when I do this, you know. So I mean, it's like he just, it's just like it's just like you like ripping open a, you know, a bag of cheese or something, right? You know, it's just like it's just <laughs> what a <snap>. metaphor. <laughs> yeah, just like rip, you know, snap, you know. So uh, yeah, it's just uh, yeah, it was great, and it and I like that Non is destroying the building because we've seen he destroyed the lunar lander and everything. Yeah, he so likes he's breaking like, stuff. Yeah, he's like he's like a kid. He just likes going around breaking stuff. He's like that one kid that just like to pick up your toys and just break it and walk off. You know, mm-hmm. he's that kid. <laughs> yeah, I, I dig it a lot. And so the um, the one uh, one of the guys, the guys in suits, lands at the feet of Ursa, and there's a really nice just single of of Sarah Douglas who looks gorgeous in this movie. I mean, she just looks stunning. Uh, yeah. And then she she has that look of like, yes. And yeah. she, she kicks him, so she's really enjoying it. And then she backhands another guy very offhandedly, which is nice. I mean, again, just a couple of minutes ago, really, uh, we saw her you know, be shocked at a snake biting her and developing her powers. And now it hasn't taken long. I mean, just the scene through Iowa where she's now fully in control of her power. She knows just how strong she is. And it's fun to watch them just tear through these guys. And then, of course, they break into the Oval Office. And that's the, you know, the presumably the big reveal of the president. But I like that it's it's cool that um, these army guys are not even a momentary threat to our three villains. I mean, they wouldn't be, but it's kind of right. cool just to watch them just like, yeah, we're just going to mow through you guys because you're not even remotely uh, a challenge. Right. And it, I like the fact that none of the guys like try to attack them because then you're just going to endanger the president at this point. If yeah. they made it through all that, then you're not, Yeah, obviously they're bulletproof bullets bounce off of them, which we really haven't seen a whole lot of. I mean, that's one thing in the Superman movies, we don't really see bullets bounce off the Kryptonians. They get shot and they don't get hurt, but we don't see like George Reeves used to have the bullets 
you know, literally like animate, they'd animate it and bounce off of him, you know, which is interesting if you think about it. But I, you know, right before they went in, you did see, you know, in the fight, the, the flag from the top of the white house falls through mm-hmm. the ceiling. And that's, that's probably the one little bit of symbolism that, that Lester bothered with. Cause Lester's not big on symbolism. Richard right. Donner, Big on symbolism. Big on symbolism, yeah. Richard Lester doesn't care. He's moving on. You know, yeah. it's like that's just that's just the difference in their approaches to this, you know. White House down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where was Gerard Butler when this was made? Uh, <laughs> so, so, yeah, it's uh, – yeah, but it's yeah. I mean, here and here they come straight into the White House. So yep. yeah, it's it's good stuff. So we see the guy sitting at the uh, the desk, uh, presumably the president. Uh, and in the, I I really love how they walk in very calmly. They're just sort of like, all right, you know, like we're not in any big hurry. And there's a great great down shot where Zod's looking at the the flag, and he has the great line about, uh, I see that you worship things that fly. Good. Which is, yeah. I mean, Terrence Stamps is making a meal out of these lines because he's just, they're so rich. And uh, one thing I really like about this scene, and this is all credit to Richard Lester, is the blocking. Uh, because, of course, you know, spoiler alert, the man sitting here at the desk is not the president. Uh, and the way that this is blocked, if you look closely, you can see the actor who will be, the who is the president. But, but the way it's hidden... Um, it, you, you'd have to really look. Uh, I think mo- probably as a child or most children that were seeing this movie uh, really didn't have any knowledge of who this actor was uh, that played the president. But it, I think an adult would know immediately, oh, wait a minute, that, why, why is that really famous guy back there? And so I like the way it's blocked that you can sort of see it, but not really, uh, that they're really hiding this man. So I like, I think that's as well, well done. Um, the actor playing the presidential imposter is a man named Tony Sibald. Um, he died in 2011. He had a lot of, again, like a lot of the actors, a lot of uh, British TV credits. But he was also in movies like Ragtime with uh, James Cagney. He was in Reds with Warren Beatty and Jack Nicholson. And A View to a Kill. Uh, yeah. So he's yet another Superman uh, character actor who has appeared in some form of James Bond. Right, right. And he's also was in Doctor Who, which will tie into another actor we'll get to later. Oh, so. wow. I didn't even notice that. Okay, yeah. Uh, and yeah. I, I like that uh, Zod doesn't fall for this for even one second. I think that's a great move where he's like, you are not the president. No one who, who leads so many would kneel so quickly. And it goes back to uh, the previous minutes we talked about where he has the scene with the general where I feel like Zod does respect people of power. Yeah. Uh, obviously, he is much more powerful than any of them, but he has some sense of, of honoring – not honoring, that's not the right term, but he, he does kind of respect – someone who is in charge of things. And I, I like that. I like that that continues on, that he just recognizes, hey, anyone who's running this country is not going to kneel that quickly. And, I, and he just picks up on that. That's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a quick uh, turn. You know, like the, the, the trick doesn't last long, but it's a nice trick. Well, I, I think, you know, I think because Zod was in the military on Krypton, I think, you know, that, that makes sense, you know, that he, I mean, you know, he was, the, the head of security on Krypton and, you know, according to most versions and everything, you know, so a planetary security. So this guy rose up through the ranks. So it makes sense that he would respect an office, you know, and, and I do like that he sees through it. And, and, and you mentioned that earlier, but the way that when he, he talks about, be, you know, them being accustomed to worshiping things that fly 
and the way he just very softly says good you know mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. i mean it's like almost if it, it, you can barely hear it it's like he's so i mean the guy just came in and took over you know arguably the most powerful country on the earth and he just like yeah okay you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah i'm i we're done. You know, this, <laughs> this is, you know, I'm not going to get excited about this because, you know, I've already won. So, you know, that's, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's so, I mean, he's not, you know, snarling and, you know, I mean, he, he has moments when he gets into that, but it's, it's basically only when somebody really, you know, challenges him that just, that, that ruffles his feathers enough to, to, to take it up to, a you know, uh, mustache twirling level, but it's, <laughs> it's it, he, he's just fantastic. I love just watching him while we're doing this. It's great. Yeah, he's he's really kind of calm in the scene, which is nice. So uh, we finally get we get to the reveal of the president, played by the great E.G. Marshall, uh, one of the great actor, great screen actors of all time. Had a legendary career. We won't need to go on and on about his his credits. Um, he was surprisingly never Oscar nominated let alone winning, never even nominated, which is a real tragedy because he is great in so many movies. Of course, he was in 12 Angry Men, which is one of my all-time favorite movies. He was also in Creep Show, another one of my all-time favorite movies, two very different kinds of movies. Uh, mm-hmm. He was in Nixon. He played uh, John Mitchell in Nixon. He was in Compulsion with Orson Welles. He was in Tora, Tora, Tora. He did play real presidents. Uh, in fact, three times he played real presidents. He played Dwight Eisenhower in the miniseries Ike. He played Andrew Jackson in the miniseries The Presidency, A Splendid Mystery. And he played Ulysses S. Grant in the miniseries Emma, Queen of the South Seas. So, I mean, he was just a guy that exuded authority, which, of course, is why you get him here for this one little cameo playing the president. Uh, and and uh, I don't want to get too far afield off of, off of the movie, but I will say, uh, if any of you have seen or have not seen the, the film Nixon, Oliver Stone's Nixon, it's one of my favorite movies. Uh, I covered it over on Film & Water. It is one of the last things E.G. Marshall did. Nixon came out in 95 or 6, and E.G. Marshall died in 1998. It's, it's pretty much the last big movie he ever did. And he only has a couple of scenes, but boy, does he just kick the crap out of that part. And it's mm. really fun to see a guy who was at the twilight of his life and his career, and he still had all of his skills uh, at his command. He is just really great in that movie. And it's, it's, to me, it's, it's fun to watch someone who you really like as an actor, and you see that, man, even though he's, like, he's probably in his 70s at this point, he's lost none of his skill. He's just really, really good at Nixon. So, I mean, again, a lifetime of great careers. And I love having him here because, kind of like in the 70s, how they hired uh, Henry Fonda to play the president in, like, 19 different movies. Right. Uh, at this point, Henry Fonda had passed away. So, you, you know, you have a new generation of, of old-timey actors who just, again, exude that authority. You immediately buy that they're the president. And E.G. Marshall is one of those guys. So, uh, I'm really happy to see him show up, I hope, very briefly. Right, I, I do like his Reagan-like hairpiece. He's got too. <laughs> yes, he he's got the. I don't. I mean, I, the way this was filmed. I mean, you know, Superman. I mean, this may have been filmed when Superman, the first Superman, was being filmed. It probably was by Donner. So I don't even know. You know, Reagan wasn't president yet when they were mm, filming this. If true, it was yeah. Donner, so but but it's still he's got that very, you know, the, that look. And I and I 
you know, I knew him as a kid from this and Creep Show, and I know you're going to hate me bringing this up, but honestly, from the National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. So, <laughs> I, I mean, but she's good in that. I mean, you know, it's it's it, you know, he's the cranky father-in-law. So, it is a you know, notable credit. I didn't mean to leave it out, but it is, yeah, it's definitely a notable. Credit. Yeah, but I mean, you know, of a certain generation, people know him from that, and I sure, mean, it's sure. some, it's something he he's seen in every year. I mean, that movie gets rolled out every year and shown and shown and shown. So. <laughs> He, if nothing else, I mean, prop, maybe not the credit he'd want the most, but he lives on through that movie for sure, sure. you know? Sure. <laughs> cinematic immortality to a point, you know? I, I think, that, no, I think that's great. I, I love the idea that maybe there's a younger generation of people that may not know his name, but they know the guy. And maybe, you know, some as, as some people that watch the movie as they get older, they'll say, oh, what are the movies is this guy in? And then you look and it's like, Oh my God, he's got all kinds of movies. He's, you know, he's in dramas. I mean, he also had a long career in television. He was one of these guys that could just sort of float in and out. He was, uh, he had a long running TV show called The Defenders, uh, mm-hmm. where he, he was a law firm. And that was kind of a, like an edgy show for the time. They, they talked about abortion and like, uh, racism. I mean, you know, they really confronted pretty heavy topics for a 1950s, 1960s television series. So again, just one of the great, careers in Hollywood and he has this great, he has this great line where he says, you know, what I do now, you know, I do to benefit the world, but he says there was one man who will never bow to you. And, and Zot's line is so perfect. Who is this imbecile? Yeah. <laughs> Just great. Yeah. The off-handed way that Terrence Stamp says that. He's he's almost bored. Who is this right. who is this imbecile? That's such a great read on that line. Oh yeah, it's it's great. And I love the fact that the president has that much faith in Superman. So it kind of, I mean, honestly, I, I know this, the way this was originally going to work in with the first movie, it probably, there probably would have been very little room for there to have been more adventures, you know, in in between the first movie and the second movie. But the way this movie is actually put together and with the opening scene, you can kind of say, well, there's been other super adventures in between the films if you want to. Mm-hmm. And so that gives you, Superman to have the career and the clout that he had in the comics, you know, in the the Silver Age comics and the Bronze Age comics where Superman was, you know, Earth's greatest hero and everybody thought so. Nobody nobody questioned him. He was not, you know, it, 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 Superman was just that everybody looked up to Superman. Everybody loved Superman. So, I mean, I, I, I love that. I love the fact that the president's like, yeah, yeah, you might be coming in now, bud, but just wait till this guy comes back and your ass is grass. You know, what <laughs> I mean? it's just, you know, it's like, and the way he says it is just great. But yeah, Stamps, Stamps, uh, the way he reacts to it is just like, he could care less. He's thinking, if he's anything like you guys, who yeah. cares? Yeah, you know? it's going to be, yeah, who is this symbol? <laughs> it's just the, the, the offhanded take on that. And, the, you know, I mean, it really is. There is so many different ways to, to to say a line. I mean, you can put a great line in a screenplay, but it, it really does depend on the actor and then the director, too, being able to convey what they're looking for. But, I mean, there are so many different ways for Terrence Stamp to say it. I mean, who is this imbecile? You know, I mean, he could do it differently, you know, but instead he just – that kind of just, huh, all right, yeah, whatever uh, is, is just great. It's a big laugh. And I have to say, I, to me, that's the laugh line, not so much the intended laugh line. Which is where the president mutters to himself, oh, God, and Zod says, Zod, which I feel is maybe a little little Batman 66 for my tastes uh, for this movie. But I don't know. Your mileage may vary. I don't know. I've always liked that line just because I think I think it's kind of funny because 
you know, I don't even know if I mean the Phantom Zone villains for some reason have a command of of English. I don't know why. It's never explained. You know, I mean Clark grew up with you know English speaking parents, so it makes sense he speaks English. But why do the Phantom Zoners speak English? I don't know. You know. Uh, do they speak English on Krypton? Who knows? These are the type of things we used to not worry about. Now we have to pick everything to death. But, but uh, I don't know. It's like, did Zod really understand what that the president was like? You know, asking for help from his lord, or did he? You know, that that he worships, or did he just? You know, was just. It, it re, you can read it different ways. You can read it that Zod knew exactly what he was saying. It's like, no, no, I'm your god now, or he's just saying. Oh no, I'm not this God guy. I'm Zod. You know, it's, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's open to interpretation somewhat, but I think either way, the way it's delivered is funny. Now the way that the EG Marshall, and he says it as best as anybody could, but the way he just goes, Oh God, just, it, it's a total setup. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, it, it's a total setup for him to just go Zod, you yeah. know? So, but, but I, I, I still like it. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's fine. It's, it, they cut, it's a perfect button on the scene to get out of it. So, uh, yeah. And then we cut to Lois and Clark driving, uh, heading out from the uh, from the Antarctic, and uh, <laughs> already uh, Clark is complaining. Uh, he complains about his back being stiff, which is like, boy, Clark, if you don't like being human, it's, you know, you've been human about a day, and you're already complaining. You are in for a world of hurt, literally, pal. Um, oh, yeah. But we see him. Uh, we see them pull up. There's a shot from the inside of the car. We see them pull up uh, to this diner. And walking in front of the car, uh, walking to camera left, is a gentleman uh, with a pipe, and that is our pal Dick Donner. It's very exciting <laughs> to see him in the movie. And and they didn't cut him out. I mean, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess I guess I mean it's you couldn't. I mean, I guess they could have reshot the scene, maybe, or maybe yeah. they couldn't. Maybe they didn't have the ability to reshoot. But yeah, it's funny. Of all the things you cut out of this movie, you don't cut out the director. Uh, that you cut out of this movie, yeah, right. Amazing. I mean, he's—it's like the the literally the specter of Richard Donner is walking through this film. You know, it's <laughs> like it's like I'm still here, guys. You still know, here. Yeah. <laughs> it's like here I am because I mean, this scene is all Donner. This, I mean, you can tell by Margot Kidder. This is this scene in the diner has got to be completely because Margot looks like she's put on about ten or fifteen pounds. She looks healthier than than she did in the previous scenes that were all Lester. Uh, her hair's longer, you know, I mean, this is, this is clearly shot by Richard Donner. So now the scene where we come back to that at the end, I don't know. We'll have to get into that, but, but uh, at the end of the movie, but yeah, I think this is all Donner here, but before we get into the diner itself, the age old question in a movie filled with, with aliens from other planets who can fly and, and vulnerable and, and breathe in space and, and they have the ability to turn their powers off and then get them back and all this stuff. The the biggest burning question of this movie is where did they get that car and how did they drive it from the Fortress of Solitude? That's a very good question. That is a, yeah, I, I mean is I mean I guess I guess the uh the Kryptonian chamber gives you clothes. Maybe it makes a car too. I don't maybe there's a bigger one off the off the off to the uh, side that we didn't see. Yeah. Well, you know, in that other section of the fortress we don't see, he's got the big battleship. And, uh, you know, that's hanging from the ceiling and all that stuff that's, you know, in the fortress in the comic books or whatever it is, or it's a big giant ship and, you know, and all that stuff. So maybe he's just got a garage full of cars and there's, but that's like, that car must have some serious snow tires, man. To drive yeah. From the fortress. 
Driving around polar bears and stuff. Yeah, I don't right, know. right, right. Yeah, puppet polar bears. And oh, that uh, would have been so cool to have a scene where he goes into the fortress's garage and we see the supermobile just sitting off to the side oh, with the big fists. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh my god. Well, you see, he could still use that even without his powers. That's right. Uh, yeah, Lois, get in back. Let's fly. You know, why not? That'd be really cool. Oh, missed yeah. opportunity. <laughs> I think. I think the car scenes of them driving. That's the same car that Lex. Uh, flips over in the first movie. I think it's just more shots of that car. Oh, I, uh, I didn't think, even. Oh, I didn't even. Think I think Michael Bailier. Somebody pointed that out in Super, the first uh, Superman movie minute. And if it wasn't Michael, I apologize. Whoever pointed it out, but one of our guests pointed that out. Maybe it was Andy. Somebody did. Andy Leyland. But but yeah, it's that same green sedan or whatever that big long Plymouth or whatever it is. It's a boat. It's a seventies. Yeah, it's a huge car. Yeah. My dad had one like that. I hated that car. Uh, but it was avocado green, not green green. But but uh, yeah, but it's just like, where did this car come from? How did they get from the fortress to the car? I mean, there's we've got we'll have more questions later about how you get to and from the to the to and from the port fortress without superpowers. But uh, but yeah, but well, anyway, we're at the diner. We saw Richard Donner, Don's Diner. Is the name of the diner, right, by the way. Right, right. So I'm assuming the guy we meet in a minute is Don. So there you go. <laughs> there, right, right. Uh, the first person we meet is the a waitress named uh, Pamela. The actress is Pamela Mandel. She did not have another credit until Superman three. Um, yeah. So that suggests to me that she maybe wasn't an actress. That she was just maybe a friend of uh, Donner's uh, or Lester, or just a friend of the production, and just sort of could fill in. Although this is kind of a big part. Uh, to give someone who's not an actress necessarily. Um, I love looking through the IMDb pages because you just find the weirdest stuff. This is this woman has another credit. She wrote a TV documentary called Animal Behavior. And I just – I mean I have no idea what that thing was. There was no description of it. But it, it's like what a random factoid that the woman who was the, a waitress in Superman 2 also wrote a documentary. You know, yeah. It seems like two very different skill sets. But good on her. There, she doesn't have a lot of credits. But uh, – but yeah, so she's she she chucked up two Superman movies in a very short uh, filmography. Yeah, in Superman three, she's one of the she's the the wife of the the contest winner, the couple that wins the contest that uh, through the Daily Planet, where they they keep playing that bingo game and the or lottery or whatever it is, and she's the winner. So yeah, that's who she plays in that in <laughs> Superman. In her IMDb page, you can see her in the shot for that Jimmy's taking of her in the daily planet office. So yeah, that's her other claim to fame. Yep. So. yep, yep, yep. <laughs> and you're right. When, when they walk in, when Clark and Lois walk in, you really can see the difference in Margot Kidder. Her face is very different. Yeah. Uh, than then she looked just the scene earlier in the fortress. I, I never really thought of it until you pointed it out, but yeah, her face is much fuller. She's very different looking. Uh, they meet the diner owner, as you, as you pointed out, uh, he's play the actor is named uh, Tommy Dugan. Uh, he's got credits in The Omen, again, Richard Donner, mm-hmm. uh, The Omen 3, so he very smartly skipped over Omen 2. Um, he, <laughs> his debut is in a 1941 movie called Suicide Squad Run. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I thought I figured I was going to get you for a second. Yeah, 1941 Suicide Squadron, which is, as you might expect, a war film. Uh, yeah. He doesn't have a whole lot of credits after this, but again, obviously somebody that Richard Donner liked because he's in The Omen, and now here he is again in Superman. And he was the other guy that was on Doctor Who, so there you go, Shaq. Oh, There's- he was on Doctor Who as well. All right, wow, there you go. Look at that. Yeah. So they're in this nice diner, and now there's a moment here 
and we know that we've gone over this because there are multiple cuts of all these movies. Uh, there are it's Superman two particularly. There's a TV cut, and there's like an alternate TV cut, and there's like the Donner cut. But there's this moment where Lo- Lois sits at the counter and she orders this gigantic meal, which is funny because she's like, "I want this, and I want that, and I want a cheeseburger, and I want this, and whatever." And then the waitress says, "What would you like?" And he says, uh, "Clark says something like, I'll decide when I get out.'" And in the version that I'm looking at, it just cuts. But I swear to God, Chris, I saw a version of this movie where he doesn't order anything and the waitress goes, a cheeseburger. Like she uh, orders for him and Clark uh, gives her a little look of like, that's not what I, 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 I didn't order anything. But that's that I swear to God I saw that scene, but it's not in this version that I'm looking at. So there must be some other cut that has that moment because I remember it so well of, of Christopher Reeve just giving her a little quizzical look of like, I, I just said I'm not ordering anything yet. But she, you know, she's already, you know, they're playing up the whole Clark is a nebbish that nobody pays attention to. Right. I mean, uh, well, I mean, it was probably in that extended, like that ABC mm-hmm. extended cut, like just like the extended TV cut that we got a Superman one that came out on Blu-ray surprisingly, you know, like a year or so ago, yep, yep. there was a TV cut of Superman two, And there's a lot of, you know, the, the, the saw kinds, you know, scraping the, the cutting room floor and putting stuff back in to make, you know, they made, they made money per minute basically, yep. uh, literally. And, um, you know, we know that there was the whole thing where, you know, non threw the siren at little Willie getting away on a horse. Right. And right, right. We, we forgot to talk about that because we, we got did, away yeah. from East, East Houston, Idaho. But, you know, in the TV cut, little Willie makes a run for it on a horse of all things. It's like here again, <laughs> we are. It's like, good God, could he not at least have a dirt bike or something? People come on. But, uh, you know, it's like, God, what, what decade, what century are we in? But, but in, and non takes the siren that he stole off of Sheriff Pepper's car and throws it. And you just see it like, boom, hit. And somebody says, he was just a boy, and Ursa gleefully says, "Who'll never become a man?" You know, <laughs> I mean, it's like it's like it's so. I mean, that's probably like the most straight up, openly evil thing that any of them do in the film. You Derek, know, Derek and, William Crabbe rubbing his hands with glee at that scene. Yeah, exactly. That's the that's the the Derek. We'll, we'll call that the Derek William Crabbe cut from now on. <laughs> but uh, and I wish they put that cut out because it's also got that. We won't. We'll talk about it when we get to. But that very strange, what Superman does at the very end of the movie thing, which is really weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's and it's half finished, and it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But, uh, but yeah. So I, it wouldn't surprise me. I don't remember that specifically, but I haven't seen the TV cut in a long time. I think I still got like a VHS with it on it. I swear I do. Like it was recorded mm-hmm. off of ABC. But uh, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if somebody knows where that cuts, where that scene's at. Let us know. Yeah, I mean, I know my memory can be faulty at times, and certainly, uh, you know, you remember there's the whole Berenstein Bears thing, or you know that that movie <laughs> yeah. that movie that the uh, Shaq is in that that he was, ne- or Sinbad was in and he was never in. But like, yeah. I swear to God, I remember that moment of just this little, and because it's a character beat of just like, okay, yeah, this is, no, people don't regard Clark with any sort of agency or really take right. him seriously, and I, right. I just remember that, and yet it's not here. So okay, well, I'll try and find it at some point. So then, as uh, Lois is waiting, she is visited upon by a local truck driver, Mister Wonderful, I believe, as she calls him, because he blares the horn at the earlier part yeah. of the scene. Uh, this Rock. is. 
Brocky, played by yeah. Pepper Martin. Great name for an actor. Pepper. Yeah. Great name for anybody, name. really. Pepper Martin. Uh, he has some credits. The Longest Yard, the original, with, uh, of course, your hero, uh, Burt Reynolds. Uh, <laughs> Walking Tall. Uh, you know, the Buford, uh, Buford Pusser story with Joe yeah. Don Baker. And a film called Mutant on the Bounty. Not Mutiny on the Bounty. <laughs> Mutant <laughs> on the Bounty. So I don't know what that's about, but that's later on in his career. But, uh, I mean, as you might imagine from these credits, Walking Tall, Longest Yard, he probably played pretty similar guys. Tough yeah. guys, you know, kind of maybe country boys, but just guys that, uh, you know, were very smug. And this, th- these five minutes end with Clark coming out of the bathroom, and he says the whole thing about, uh, excuse me, I believe you're sitting in my seat. And, uh, d- you know, Rocky says, your seat's in their four eyes. And then Clark says, uh, I think someone needs to teach you some manners. And I love it because this is Clark not realizing what world he's living in now. He's right. still got that kind of Superman cockiness because he's yeah. so used to being invulnerable, literally, that he is forgetting that he is way out of his out of his uh, out of his league here. No pun intended. And I like that. I like that moment that this is a lesson that Clark is going to have to learn, and he's going to learn it in the next five minutes. Yeah, big time. Yeah, but I, I love when Clark starts mouthing off back to Rocky. Look at Don, the diner owner. Look at the look on his face, like. Hmm. Oh, you shouldn't say that type of stuff to Rocky. <laughs> it's just like he's probably seen Rocky get in a fight in there before, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. because I think he, you know, I mean, you just get the idea that that Rocky is he's a he's a you know a regular in there that you know he's a truck driver, so you know he pulls in, causes trouble. He's probably starts flirts with every attractive woman that walks in the place. Uh, I mean, you know, he asks Lois to, you know, what's to buy her dinner and all this. And she's like, you know, I'm, you know, no. And of course he doesn't take no for an answer. He doesn't move. And, and I mean, somebody does need him to teach him some manners, but unfortunately, you know, Clark is not equipped (laughs) to do that right now. And it's kind of sad because, you know, we saw in the first movie that instantly Clark as a infant or a toddler had super strength. He lifts the truck up. Right. So, in later versions of the Superman story, he develops those powers, especially post-John Byrne or John Byrne and after. He develops those powers slowly. So Clark Kent, who grew up working on a farm, could probably handle Rocky, even if he didn't have superpowers. That's an interesting, that's, that's an interesting thought. Never really considered that. Because he was strong before he became super strong, you know, right, because right, he worked right. on a farm. That You have to be strong to work on a farm. Let me tell you, I, mean, I never lived on a farm, but I have worked on farms and you gotta you know that's hard work oh that's <laughs> not work certainly not work for sissies no doubt about it no no so i mean uh so yeah he you know so he is at a disadvantage here uh, so we will see what happens it's it's kind of hard to watch honestly it is. <laughs> it is i mean and you even get that brief second of where lois starts to get up because she wants to kind of just you know end this and yeah. he, he puts his hand on her shoulder he's like honey and he's being the cock of the walk, you know? He's yeah. like, I'm going to be – I mean most of us I think would just be like, let's just get out of here because this guy's a creep. But he's he he's full of himself and uh, again in the, in, the, in the next episode he's going to learn the error of his ways uh, very quickly. And that's a shame. I would hate to see it because he's our hero. But uh, he's got to learn this lesson that, uh, you know, don't give up your superpowers, man. If you have them, right. got to keep them. That's right. <laughs> With great power comes great responsibility. That's, that's very Wait true. Wait, Wrong hold move. on. Wait, hold on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, okay. Uh, so I think that is going to do it for uh, these five minutes of uh, Superman 2. 
Uh, do we have anything else we want to say before we wrap up? Uh, I think, uh, you know, this was a, a great uh, sequence of minutes here. And from, from you know, it's, it's a very memorable sequence in the movie. I mean, from the, you know, the uh, post-coital Clois to, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> the White House invasion to Rocky's arrival. So, uh, yeah, we're... We're getting into the parts that, you know, this film that really like stand out in, you know, from my young child mind is like being like the parts that what I remember most about the movie. We're getting we're getting into that that section of the film. So it's it's very exciting. Yeah. And any five minutes of a movie that has E.G. Marshall and Richard Donner in it. I'm very excited. That's really, <laughs> really cool stuff. So. Uh, so, yeah, that's going to do it for this episode of Superman Two Movie Minutes. Of course, you can leave comments on our website, which is firewaterpodcast.com, And that's where all the various shows that Chris and I host uh, both together and separately. Uh, you can find all the shows there. And if you want to talk uh, Superman, any of the Superman movies, go to our uh, Twitter feed, which is Superman Move Men. And, of course, we have to thank uh, Alex Robinson, Peter Retailer from the Superman, the excuse me, the Star Wars Minute Movie Minute guys, uh, who have uh, graciously allowed us to borrow this format and do our own sort of things with it. And you can find all the movies by Minute Show uh, on the show notes, which is moviebyminutes.com. So that is going to do it. And so uh, come back next week as the adventure continues with Superman 2 Movie Minute. Bye. Bye. Good afternoon, Mr. President. Sorry I've been away so long. I won't let you down again.